0: Uh, thank you, Paul. Our guest this morning is Mike Royko, columnist of Chicago Daily News, uh, discussing his new book, uh, just released today in the Chicago bookstores, Boss, Richard J. Daly of Chicago. In a moment, our guest after we hear from Paul Vodica and a word from our sponsors. A song, Chicago, Chicago, that toddling town and two Chicago voices. The first uh, in honor of Richard J. Daly uh, by, expressed by someone who's engaged in quasi-legal activities. The other, the voice of a woman, somewhat bitter, antagonistic, driven out of a neighborhood after 40 years, Harrison hosted the area in which he lived. Uh, my guest is Mike Roiko, certainly the chronicler of our city. Uh, his new book is called Boss, Richard J. Daly of Chicago, Dutton the Publishers. Jimmy Breslin has described it the best book about an American city ever written indeed may well be. It's a book about a city, about a society, about us. And I'm thinking about these two voices, Mike, especially the woman's voice, Dolly Belmont, we think Richard J. Daly as a neighborhood man, proud of his neighborhoods and the nature of neighborhood and even expressed now in his opposition to Judge Austin's order about scattered sites. Isn't there a contradiction involved here? And how come, since one neighborhood was destroyed and he was in charge of it
1: in the urban renewal, and he speaks of preservation of neighborhoods. Yeah, no, and it's, well, it is a contradiction, and it's an interesting one about him. that He's always uh, talked about being a neighborhood. He's prided himself on being a neighborhood type. He still lives in his old neighborhood and in, uh, in, before the 68 convention, uh, uh, in, in uh, one of his real uh, arm-waving speeches, he said that uh, uh, he wanted the convention here in this great city, in this great neighborhood, in, uh, I think he said, "In the greatest neighborhood in the in the country, my neighborhood," and that's about the only neighborhood he's paid any attention to preserving. Now, I can't think of any any uh, yeah. And he, once again, in '55, he campaigned uh, as the neighborhood's guy. His first campaign, he set himself up as the uh, uh, the uh, opponent of the big downtown interests. He tried to paint Bob Miriam, his first uh, candidate, as a as the uh, lackey of the downtown interests. And he said, uh, they, I think uh, his, his slogan in that campaign will be that the, the sun doesn't just shine on uh, State Street, it shines on all the neighborhoods. And uh, since then, uh, it's, it's been f- funny. He's become State Street's guy and the downtown interest guy. And I can't think of any neighborhood in Chicago that can say that it's in better shape today than it was in uh, 1955. Uh, I can think of a lot of neighborhoods that don't even exist today. I mean, they are now cleared. You go up to the near north side and you see vast areas of uh, virtual wasteland. And uh, you go out to the west side and see what's happened uh, 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 both through uh, the city's policies and through that uh, uh, the spasm of riots. And uh, you see the uh, old valley, the old Italian neighborhood, which was really a beautiful thing. As you recall, when it was torn down it was just starting to stand up it was uh, people out there were filled with such optimism and um, there's I I I don't know of any neighborhoods in Chicago that uh, that haven't suffered through his uh, uh, his administration Uh, and the only thing he can point at and say I've made this better uh, is uh, the downtown area where he's put up uh, uh, where not uh, he hasn't done it I mean uh, big uh, the big real estate interests are already uh, for this type of expansion uh, was to their interests and uh, so he's, he's gone in this cycle from a guy who started out giving his first campaign talk in 1955 in a union hall out in the west side uh, and talking about the neighborhoods to a guy in 1971 who gave his first campaign talk before the Chicago Association of Commerce and Industry and uh, has, and and uh, now is uh, in the process of scaring the heck out of the neighborhoods by using the black man and a little bit of public housing the panicum. And so he's done nothing for the neighborhoods. That's the question. Of course, your book has been described as a myth-shattering work and uh, the myth
0: itself. How is this myth maintained?
1: Well, Part of it is that the city likes the myth. We like things big. We like to say we're, we're better at this and better at that. I think when, once it started, during his first term, uh, that Daley could get a city moving, We wanted to believe this. Despite all the steady flow of evidence to the contrary, that he's none of the things that the uh, myth makers have made him out to be, that he's a great administrator, a man of the people, that he can solve problems where where other mayors can't. I think the city wanted to believe that. It's reassuring to think that we have someone who keeps the city going. We read that Lindsay can't keep New York going. Well, New York's going. Uh, Lindsay inherited a massive problems that I don't see how anyone could expect him to straighten out in one term. Far more critical problems than Daly's had. And, and the, the papers, of course, have contributed to this myth. So have the Eastern publications, uh, the big magazines. And part of it is that uh, you know most Chicagoans don't go anywhere and look, uh, look at the way life is elsewhere. Yeah. They take a vacation yeah. now and then. Yeah. And so we believe it. We believe that he's done great things yeah. for Chicago. You go back to the beginnings too of
0: how the power came to be that he's primarily a bookkeeper.
1: Daley is a a pure organization man. He's a uh, he believes in the seniority system. He's the kind of guy in a corporation that waits around uh, for enough people to to retire, die, make mistakes. Uh, He keeps his nose clean, uh, learns the way uh, the company operates and then when people uh, are buried or move on, he takes a step forward. He inched his way forward, um, and uh, he, he, he likes men like this. You know, so there, aren't, there aren't many dramatic uh, figures rising uh, in the Democratic Party that he brought in. Uh, a, a magic name like Adlai Stevenson uh, daily had nothing at all to do with. Uh, young Adlai, uh, who's probably just on the basis of his name alone, is the only glamorous figure we've got in the Democratic Party. Uh, Came in through the side door, uh, uh, more or less forced himself on Daly. But Daly, Daly prefers the bookkeeper types. Uh, the guys he brings up are uh, uh, good organization men, solid organization men who dot their i's and cross their t's. And uh, but the i they dot and the, the t they cross is part of something uninspired. You know, you're not dealing with a, a, a Huey Long. Uh, you're uh, dealing with uh, a career. If they had all been blessed with uh, 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 better, better health, uh, Daly might still be waiting in Bridgeport to move yeah. on, because he, uh, he moved ahead only when people dropped dead. So he outsat others. Yeah. What's remarkable about... Uh, and, and he attached himself always to a, uh, uh, a, a boss, and he would be absolutely loyal to the machine man. At its most corrupt, the Kelly Nash machine. There were many uh, people within the Democratic organization who fought Kelly Nash. Uh, Daly never fought. He was always absolutely loyal to Kelly Nash. Daly doesn't believe in, uh, in, in that, you know, the organization first. That's his primary yeah. loyalty. In the breaking of this myth, uh, Mike's
0: done in this book called Boss, Richard J. Daley of Chicago, you've done some, some, the
1: research is remarkable. Everybody comments about this, how you got it. And I'm not going to ask you about sources, but... The sources for so much of this were, uh, for me, surprisingly easy to, to come by because uh, I've been working in... Uh, you know, a newspapering for 15 years, and I've been doing the column for uh, seven or eight years. And uh, along the way, w- uh, I built up the sources without ever planning on using them for a book because I would never thought about doing a book. But when it came time to do the book, the sources were there. There were people I've known. I've covered politics, government. Uh, it was easy to write about uh, the police department as it was then, uh, and, and one daily came in. The scandal, because I was a police reporter uh, for a while. Uh, it uh, it was simply a matter for me uh, 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 being in a very lucky position of having gotten to know most
0: of these people. But there's something here as you as you go further. It's not just. By the way, we should make this clear. This is not a an expose or a or a serbic portrait of a man. It is certainly that, but more than that, of a particular city and perhaps of a society, too. How an, how someone who may be quite mediocre indeed is built up into someone, into the image. Eastern journalists have fallen for this and still do, as well as our own editors and publishers. And the reform, uh, the credit he got for the appointment, say, of O.W. Wilson as police commissioner. Perhaps you, you have a way of analyzing this. That's yeah, quite
1: well, remarkable. that was a uh considered a great triumph, uh, as it turned out, for Daly, He became the man who reformed the Chicago Police Department. And his, uh, uh, he became the man who brought in Orlando Wilson. Uh, and it was another case, uh, 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 it was the same as all the other reforms that Daly was given credit for. He looks back now, uh, and, and the editorialists will look back and, and describe how he cleaned up, uh, under his administration, traffic court, uh, went from being a uh, a cesspool of bribes to uh, fairly well organized now, I guess. Although there's, there's much of that still going on. Uh, the police department. We, we we no longer have the, uh, the you know the, the wide open shakedowns. Uh, but but they 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 refuse to uh, Daly's boosters r- r- uh, refuse to recognize that he's never made one move toward reform until somebody got caught. And he had a scandal on his hands. Daly's really in the position of a guy who sits there and watches the arsonist set fire to the building, without lifting a finger. And then, when uh, when the fire is going, he calls the fire department, and, and uh, uh, then he wants a medal for it. Uh, the, he was mayor. Uh, the police scandal occurred when was it, 1960 or 61. Well, he had been mayor for six uh, six years, and when when, he, when uh, people said this uh, Chicago police department is the most corrupt. Police department in the country daily used to fly into a rage. We have the greatest police department in the country, he'd say. Well, he knew better than that. He had been a ward committeeman for many years. He had been uh, in ward politics since he was about 19 years old, uh, probably earlier. Uh, he knew what a, a terrible, corrupt police department was. But until we uh, had that uh, the case of the coppers and as burglars, uh, he, uh, and he was forced into making uh, uh, changes, he didn't. And even there, it was it was a, a completely rigged thing. A citizens committee was supposed to pick Orlando Wilson, and uh, Daily picked him because he was the best. He had the best image, and would uh, be the best man public relations in terms of public relations for Daily. So Daily, even rigged the uh, the selection process. Uh, the same thing we we just saw recently. Uh, they, uh, we had this whole mess with the assessor's office, and everybody knows for years the assessor has been been doing that, and this is no secret. If Daly is the the, the uh, expert on government that everyone says he is, and he he sure knows what's going on in the assessor's office. He had uh, one of his closest friends he put in there as assessor. Uh, he. Um, so, so one scandal after another throughout his administration that would have probably knocked John Lindsay uh, out of the state of New York if he had anything to compare with these scandals. Uh, these and these were scandals of dishonesty. These were scandals of corruption. These weren't scandals of too many people living in one place, uh, of, of tough, aggressive unions that Lindsay's had to contend with in New York. Uh, these were scandals of, of, of uh, 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 crooks, th- uh, theft, rascality, uh, the old, old-fashioned uh, having your fi- your hand in the cookie jar. And uh, every time one of these happens, Daley appoints a committee and uh, institutes reforms that were, should have been fundamental years ago, and then they pat him on the back for saying, ah, the mayor did it again.
0: What's astonishing about Mike's book is this very point, and also tells us too about our molders of opinion locally, uh, Royko being, of course, the, and Len O'Connor, a couple of the notable exceptions, is that immediately he has never personally ever been, a t- it's always the underling who is. Yeah, he never, That's even right. now, That's with the C H A fiasco, and the dishonesty of it, you know, never personally, even the editorial. No,
1: no, he, he, uh, he keeps the buffers between them. Uh, when something goes right, when 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 there is when there's uh, something that uh, they th- the the, the, the uh, boosters consider to be a triumph for for the city, then they all credit Daily. Uh, if, the, if the Cubs won the World Series this year, you'd see Daily getting credit for it. But when there's uh, something wrong, they always blame the functionary. As one of your sources says, quoting
0: from Mike's book on page 118, on this particular sequence involving Somerdale, and uh, one man, an alderman, tells Mike, "And you say his word, good friend, and you, then
1: you go on." Yeah, because he had been he had been insisting that his police department was pure of heart and uh, efficient, and. Uh, then he be he, he got caught, and he reformed it. You know, as we just, I'm just, uh, the book
0: is filled with all these revelations about ourselves, too, and how easily we are taken. And, of course, we're thinking so much about health these days and the nature of ghetto life and our own life, health itself, pollution. His attempt to appoint his wife's personal physician as health commissioner.
1: No, was, he, he did it. He appointed uh, Dr. Morgan O'Connell, who was considered in... Uh, the field of uh, obstetrics. uh, At best, uh, a mediocre man. He wasn't even outstanding in his own field. The only reason he became anyone was because uh, back uh, 30 years ago or so or more, uh, he happened to be the guy, the doctor that uh, young Richard J. Daley, then a state legislator uh, uh, retained who would deliver his uh, his, uh, children. And other than that, there was no reason for Morgan O'Connell ever to do anything but live out a, a career uh, in the field of obstetrics and retire, uh, which he did. And uh, he was bored in retirement. And so Daly brought him back to Chicago and uh, gave him a very high-level job in the health department. And at the time, it was a terrible health department. And uh, uh, when, when uh, the, the job of—he uh, was, was the number two man in the health department. And uh, then when the, uh, there was a scandal and the number one man uh, had to get out uh, instead of bringing in a man with a, a good impeccable public health background, someone who understood the field, uh, and this is a specialty, I mean you would no more hire a, a, a obstetrician uh, to run your public health department as you would to bring in a eye or a nose throat man to, uh, uh, to do brain surgery. I mean this is a, you know, this is a specialty. And, uh, but he made Morgan O'Connell head of the health department. And uh, 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 O'Connell, you see, see the health department isn't a dramatic field. There would be be far more interest in uh, who he'd put in charge of the building department, or who he'd put in charge of uh, uh, the police department, the fire department. The health department isn't something that we, we have that much direct contact with uh, because we don't depend on public health As a marvelous phrase that you haven't uh, interrupted.
0: This is, again, Mike's writing. It wasn't a surprise, public health not being something that can be seen from the airport buses, a photograph by a national magazine, or viewed as part of a skyline of lakefront image. So under O'Connell, the already scarce neighborhood public health clinic for roach-infested, filthy, understaffed, Puerto Rican children were arriving in Chicago without being met by an effective diphtheria program—an oversight that very nearly created an epidemic. But Mrs. Daly's favorite doctor had a title, and apparently O'Connell seemed wholly unaware of this. He says, as I go around the city, he says, "I see, I don't see any hungry people."
1: No, no the man—the man was really uh, much like uh, what was it—the fire—the uh, the fire commissioner that was appointed in uh, the last hurrah. I think he had a point to anything that almost bordered on the comic. It was putting in Morgan O'Connell as health commissioner uh, because he'd say things like, uh, you know, "Well, oh, the pollution only bothers old people," <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. and pu- he just um, he seemed unaware that there were public health p- problems, uh, and and Daly put him in uh, because uh, it was you know, he's an old friend and uh, uh, he was bored. Mm-hmm. He was bored yeah. with with retirement, well, that's and that, that's the way he runs his city. You know, this, this is his his city. He's I mean, his city, like like uh, you could say, of someone his grocery store or his tavern. You know, and a man a man runs a tavern. If he doesn't like a customer, he'll tell him to get out. You're a troublemaker. And he'll let he'll hire his own bartender. Uh, well, this is his city. Daly yeah. runs this city the way uh, people run their own small family businesses, and uh, he brings in uh, old friends and relatives, and uh, and uh, the the fact that it that it. it Probably, what keeps it from being comical, is that when uh, that health department, probably in those days, uh, because of the way it was run, did result in uh, uh, unnecessary misery and uh, possibly deaths. So now you're dealing with human lives. Now, the reason he bowed to
0: pressure, and this pressure came, by the way, from some of his admirers, too, notably Dr. Eric Oldberg, who was astonished and stunned, a daily admirer, stunned that he would appoint this uh, patently incompetent man. But you you write, O'Connell made the mistake, the reason daily... Did not keep money, not because of this, because of his, because he didn't, he wasn't good at bookkeeping. Come back, Daily the bookkeeper again. That O'Donnell, O'Connell botched up his budget making procedures. Uh, for this, not for his medical shortcomings, he was ordered to retire by Daly. Always the meticulous bookkeeper.
1: Right, right. He he. Uh, O'Connell, uh, the, the medical people came to Daly, you know, and pleaded with him. Get, get, you can't do this. You know, you got to get rid of this guy. And uh, Daily Daly was furious. He, Harangued them and raged at them and uh, SIG the building, uh, SIG the inspectors on them to check their hospitals and make sure they had enough stairwells and things like that, which is, you know, can cost a hospital a lot of money. And he uh, then, but then he got rid of O'Connell because O'Connell didn't follow proper procedure in his budget preparation and submission. uh, Which is about uh, the last thing in the world that that is is of any real uh, 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 significance to the guy out there who's got TB uh, or the, uh, the woman who needs prenatal care in a ghetto. Uh, his budget preparation isn't really that important.
0: So it comes back again to the matter of a man's personal fiefdom, to use the phrase of the British journalist who was here in 68, James Cameron. And Mike, uh, Mike's book is so remarkable in that, not simply the style with which many Chicagoans listeners, I'm sure are acquainted, the acerbic biting, at the same time humanistic style. Is that uh, the revelations that are here, the facts, you mentioned buildings, and the other day, one of your columns, and it's in, implied in your book too, is that you get credit for an anti-lead poisoning program. But his commissioner Fitzgerald, some time ago, You're while you were still working on the book, I think, yeah. so anyone who wants to investigate this, you know, that is to force owners of you know slumlords to uh, redo their walls, or is doing a communistic act. Yeah, right. But now the, get credit.
1: Uh, oh, yeah. Now daily. Uh, well, I don't think he'll get as much credit because I wrote about it. Uh, but if I, I, don't, I think if I had written about it in my column, he'd be getting more praise uh, uh, for taking something that he rejected a year ago, and New York has been doing for a considerable amount of time, and uh, stealing it for his uh, his campaign. Another interesting thing about the machine is the way it survived, although people shouldn't need it the way they used to. Uh, that's one of the things that killed off political machines elsewhere, is that uh, uh you 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 don't depend on the machine for a bag of coal or a bag of groceries anymore uh, and and people shouldn't I mean you shouldn't have to sell your vote uh, for a bag of coal uh, but they've managed to do this, uh, and I, I think the secret is uh, both both i think uh, a willingness in this city, a sort of a tradition to be bossed and a liking for being bossed by by a great many people uh Plus, they're 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 not selling uh, buying your vote for a bag of groceries. They're extracting your vote from you for a welfare check and the threat that you won't have it, or from uh, uh, a flat in uh, the Taylor Homes, which you might lose. Uh, the intimidation. Uh, it isn't even a good exchange anymore, because you're getting what is due to you anyway. Uh, and you still have to give up your vote. Where before, at least it might be a favor that you got above and beyond uh, uh, what you had coming to you. And it was even a better deal then.
0: Now we come to one of the most devastating aspects of Mike Royko's book, the nature of the machine as it is today. And uh, again, the image built of a political figure who was a master politician who was shrewd. And your book indicates it isn't this at all. It's exactly the opposite, but fear, power. And the black community, for which obviously he's shown so much to put the a mild word indifference, is the one that has helped elect him, like a-
1: Adamowski. Adamowski had a shade over 50 percent uh, of the white vote. He had, he had close to 51 percent of the white vote uh, when he when he ran against Daly in um, was it '63, and uh, Daly won uh, by a pretty good margin because of the enormous uh, black vote he received and uh, at the time it was a, a, a remarkable thing because if you look back to see just what he had done for uh, the, the blacks he had done nothing for them and so much to them and uh, through the uh, through the the, the uh, fear mechanism in the machine uh, he, he got they got the vote you know he get it Eighteen thousand to three hundred in some wards, and uh, it wouldn't have mattered uh, who was running against them at a mosque. It wouldn't have mattered when those precinct captains go in there and the assistant precinct captains and the assistant assistant precinct captains. It really is hurting people out, and and, uh, and when you look at you know you look at some of the precincts that deliver uh, three hundred and eighty to five and see the way the people live. And what were they, you know, what had ever been done for them? Uh, it wasn't re- returning favors. It was just, uh, uh, it was a lash driving them out. We'll return in a
0: moment with Mike Royko discussing his new book, Boss, Richard J. Daly of Chicago. we we'll return now to Mike royko and uh, the subject at hand. If I might read just this one aspect uh, of Mike's book, uh, this one passage here so the image perhaps in that
1: way too was oh, built. sure sure um he uh, you know uh, i'm glad you mentioned Kennelly because uh, you know he said he was a reform mayor and once again the 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 cynical way the machine which uh, uh, goes back long before daily was a force in it uh, the way it works you know dragging in this uh businessman who, who didn't really didn't have any great talent for running a city, uh, but because he had never been in trouble, and in, uh, in 47, the machine was cor- the, uh, corrupt, and uh, uh, the, the, was afraid that, that the, the voters were going to finally throw him out, as was happening in big cities across the country. So they brought in Connelly, uh, who they knew was not really a very competent man, and because he was a very clean-looking man in a, uh, a grandfatherly image, and they stick him in office uh, for eight years and, uh, until they could retrench and uh, uh, kill whatever chance of a, a Republican up- uprising, an independent uprising there was in the city, and then they threw him out. Uh, but There was never any uh, a real sincere uh, desire on their part for reform, because when he did get in, the one thing Kennelly did that, that scared the daylights out of him was he was obsessed with civil service. He thought this was a way to, to achieve reform, to get rid of patronage and uh, uh, to put in civil servants, and that terrified him. That's why they all hated Kennelly. Because because that was the this was the lifeblood the patronage jobs. But
0: by the way, um, on that subject, are we, are we, is there a position known
1: as director of
0: patronage? Oh, sure.
1: Um, it's the only city in the country, I believe, has it. I'm sure we're the only city in the country that has enough patronage to even bother with it. The director of patronage, you point out, here meets quite regularly with the mayor, and the mayor has a
0: dossier, that's political dossier of, of loyalty to party, and practically everybody from way up just to about the everyone man.
1: who is hired by the city uh, is cleared. Uh, maybe only uh, uh, in a... You know, glancing over his thing in a, a split second or two over his his, his uh, application, but anyone who is hired by the city, uh, his his uh, application and a and a dossier on him, passes across Daly's desk. He wants to know who everyone is. Uh, I'm I'm talking about garbage collectors. People, you know, and I'm not talking about uh, big men in the urban re- renewal department. Uh, everyone has to be cleared. He has to see who their sponsor is and what the guy's background is, if he's ever been caught uh, stealing in another governmental body, such as county government, uh, if he's ever been fired in a scandal, and they're putting, you know, the idea there is whenever there's a scandal, uh, a few people are fired and then they uh, sit around for a while and then they uh, are given a job. If they were fired in county government, they're given a job in city government. If they're fired in city government, they're stuck over in a state office if there's one available. And uh, they move around. And he, and he sees it all. He knows who's getting which jobs. So then he
0: he's, he is more uh, his dossier is, is uh, sort of Jad Hoover in quality. Oh yeah,
1: yeah, yeah And it's the, it's the job of the director of patronage to bring this in every day, all the new employees in the city.
0: And therefore the machines, since these there are so many, they become the precinct captains. They have to deliver them the votes.
1: The so precinct the captains, the assistant precinct captains. Of course, he's got jobs, the machine has got jobs outside of city government. The race tracks have many pa- political patronage jobs. Uh, local industry, local businesses, patronage jobs. A lot of union uh, uh, apprenticeships are patronage. Uh, no one can count the amount of patronage the machine controls. Because we haven't pointed out the humor in Mike
0: Reuchel's book. We haven't come to this yet. And of course, just filled with... As a phrase I remember, I can't find the moment of the nepotism involved. Uh, when uh, Mrs. Daly, if you can, Eleanor Gilfoyle married Richard Daly. Writes Mike Rico, uh Her, how was it? Her parents did and not lose a daughter, but gained an employment agency. Right, right. Uh,
1: he did because because Daly himself doesn't have that many relatives, uh, but every time, uh, uh, well, when it, I, the, the, no one has been able to track down all the all his in-laws who are uh, on one payroll or another, and. Uh, and then every uh, when his daughter got married, uh, she married a young man whose father uh, was a physician, I guess, in semi-retirement. And they immediately, daily immediately plunked him in a, a, a fairly well-paying job in, uh, in city government somewhere. And uh, if you marry into the Daily family, there's always something there for you.
0: Well, the whole page in which you use biblical language—it's
1: um, Genesis. Yeah, well, well, when they're always talking about. Uh, they like to talk about how there's room for everyone in the uh, in the Democratic par- in the Democratic Party. Uh, you want me to run down some of these names? Mm-hmm. Uh, I hate to read my own stuff, but it says uh, uh, in this this particular chapter, this is a chapter on the structure of the machine, and I describe how one gets ahead uh, through party loyalty and ringing doorbells and uh, clout, getting your clout clouting for you and then uh another shortcut one shortcut in the machine is nepotism, but about a fourth of it it goes on you know when you realize it that, that uh so many of the people uh who hold these offices uh, got them because uh Daly says, whoa, that's so and so's kid you know and uh and they are their brothers' keepers you know this uh, <laughs> all the brothers who've got all these jobs and and uh <laughs> So it's, sense, it's, really, it's really a try. Well, in a sense, a there's thing, testament a testament involved here.
0: But another aspect of the humor, I, uh, that little thing just point out kind of my mind. When Arnold Merrimont was interested in running as a uh, being a, a candidate for governor, was it for governor? Uh, uh, for, for senator. For senator. Yeah. Against Everett Dirksen, because Arnold Merrimont was Jewish, and, daily, and Arnold Maromont was going to prove daily that he could pull a Jewish vote. He went down state. Would you describe that? It's very funny.
1: Yeah, well, Merrimont was uh, not the kind of guy who can. Uh, get into, you know, get into the machine. Uh, Daley likes guys like Arnold Marimont because they're excellent uh, people to put on committees. They make fine. Uh, front men, um, well, even when they don't realize they're being used as front men, they can contribute money, they can serve on committees. But Marimont wanted something more than that. He had done a lot of good work for the uh, uh, party at a high level. He had uh, taken on some of these tough uh, blue-ribbon committee jobs. And uh, he went to Daley and said, you know, I want to run for the Senate. I want to take on Dirksen. And uh, Daly uh, expressed uh, doubts that a, uh, a Jew could uh, do well uh, downstate, and uh, he suggested that Merrimack go find out. You know, take a, sa- a reading of downstate sentiment. So he did, and he ran all over Illinois. And he put aside his business responsibilities and his uh, uh, civic responsibilities, and he, and he. Uh, which were considerable, and uh, and he went on this big tour of uh, downstate Illinois, uh, talking to county chairman and going to fairs and church breakfasts and shaking hands, and he's a spunky guy, you know, he'd go into a uh, bar and say, I'm uh, Arnold Merriman, I'm Jewish, and I wanna run for the Senate, you know, and and, and his reading was that, he, that a Jew could do well in downstate Illinois, and he was excited about this. He was sending back reports to Daly, and uh, then he, uh, headed back for Chicago to go in and make a speech to Daley. You know, I, I think it could be done. And uh, the reports apparently impressed Daley, uh, and Daley apparently agreed that a Jew could do well uh, because the day Arnold Merrimont hit town, he picked up the papers and discovered that uh, Daley had slated uh, uh, Congressman Sidney Yates, a Jew, to run against there <laughs> And so he got a wonderful free uh, survey. survey taken <laughs> for him. And, uh, I'm sure he was chuckling about Arnold Merrimont. Yeah. That's uh, Daly is a sadistic sense of view, that would, that would, that would be, he laughs when people fall down. We haven't
0: talked about the city council, of course, Daly, and uh, the honor of, that is the, uh, perhaps the most powerful man outside, Daly, is his uh, associate, Tom Keene. You point out
1: psychological
0: differences. Keene interested in money, Daly not in
1: money, power. Yeah, Keene is a wealthy man, and uh, he admits to being a very wealthy man, and uh, he is, you know, he's, been involved in a lot of uh, real estate things and uh, and they, probably on the basis of what they both were when they were both say 21 years old, if you looked at both of them, uh, Keene who would probably registered a bit higher on most uh, intelligence tests uh, Keene who uh, uh, has a, uh, an interest in uh, things outside of uh, reading tally sheets uh, uh, bookkeeping sheets To Keene at least uh, Uh, gives the impression of being a man who's 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 read better books and is interested in art and collects uh, art and uh, uh, likes to debate, lend a prey and uh, sprinkle his his, uh, debates with Literary allusions and uh, a much a different man than Daly. I think, I, and I think that uh, probably at one point Keene would have been stunned to think that Daly, this young Richard J. Daly, who swallows his tongue when he uh, has to make a speech, but that drive is different. But, th- but that's right. Yeah. Keene, Keen, uh well, Keene will probably leave a lot more money when he uh, when he's gone than Daly will. But uh, they won't remember Keene. But uh, also, uh, there are tributes paid to by the council, and as one this must be read that it was the, oh yeah that was uh, uh, composed for the occasion by uh uh Lillian schoutenlil Pietrowski one of the committee she's the committee man or committee woman from the uh, from the southwest uh, side and uh, yeah well this is the way the, the democratic central committee operates generally they get together or whatever the occasion is and uh, I think if they if they were going to hold a a vote on whether or not to allow ash to have uh, new ashtrays at the at the uh, meeting room, the first eighteen people would get up and uh, praise daily.
0: And, was that uh, the one, one of a late councilman always would always would open the day when he, God bless Mayor David? Well, that was that was the alderman. Yeah, the alderman. Uh, oh, okay. yeah,
1: alderman uh, Joe, Joe uh, Kriska, uh, Whenever a debate would be going on, and uh, Joe never really understood what most of the debates were about, but uh, he'd always want to get in on them, and regardless of what what the uh, what was being discussed uh, as it got heated, as the prey was fighting with Keene and uh, Claude Holman, and uh, they're going around and around, and Crisca would jump up and uh, shout, God bless Mayor Daly, the greatest mayor in the history of the world, which was always kind of a tension breaker.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I'm thinking, Mike, uh, you're describing also what is a great burlesque story, but it is not. It's a burlesque-horror story yeah, is the right, point. Right. You said earlier that it would be comic and clownish and funny were it not full the number of people hurt. This is the point, isn't it? So mm-hmm. we come to a question of uh, the man himself and the age in which we live, 1970, last third of it. And a nun approached him once to
1: explain the plight of black people and his comments to her. Remember he? Yeah, yeah, there was a, uh, a nun who was running a settlement house in the west side. And um, she didn't think that he, uh, once again, a man who claims to be a man of the neighborhoods, that, that he understood what, was, what the real depths of despair were in, in uh, uh, the ghettos. And she asked him to come out and, uh, and look for himself and see the way people lived. She, she thought that because Daly is uh, uh, a Roman Catholic and, and, and might, he might pay attention uh, uh, to something she said, uh, more so than he would to the black activists, um, and um, when, when she when she started to explain the lack of uh, ball fields and play lots, uh, the absence of an urban renewal program, all the other the, the slums, the uh, unemployment, everything out there, uh, he cut in, and uh, and the conversation is a. As I said it out in this book, the, his little monologue was uh, uh, something this affected, uh, and you know how he trips over himself as he, as he gets caught up in, in, uh, in what he's saying. He says, Sister, you and I come from the same background. Our grandparents came here with nothing, uh, took care of their homes. Look at Bridgeport. Uh, the houses are as old as on the west side. The people took care of them. They worked hard. They kept the neighborhood clean. They looked after their children. Uh, let me tell you something about those people. They should lift themselves up by their bootstraps like our grandparents did. They should take care of their children. They should work hard, take care of their homes, lift themselves up by their bootstraps. Yeah. And uh, he, he was still uh, you know, subscribing to the to the bootstrap yeah. theory. And I think that's really uh, the way he thinks. It's, it's, he thinks that's the way it's, it's gotta be done. And I think when he talks about uh, the public housing situation, I think that's the way it's gotta be done that the blacks will remain where they're, the blacks have lived, and they will uh, eventually have to uh, pull themselves up by the bootstraps and gain admission to the rest of society. Just as you say that, I couldn't help but think,
0: since we think of his, his being one of the apostles of law and order, as he put it, and some of the, of course, his rather celebrated comments uh, after the Martin Luther King assassination, the lootings and the black ghettos, and that led to the Democratic Convention. Air to that in his own neighborhood uh, he was was he at home when two young black students were gonna buy that house and were attacked by
1: uh, yeah a pretty rough crowd from the neighborhood yeah that, that, that's uh, been one of the great untold stories in this city since uh, since I've been working uh, as a reporter uh, was the uh, episode involving the um, purchase of a house uh, by uh, people who wanted to move uh, blacks in the Bridgeport. There was no question. This was not a a uh, a, 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 a case of someone just coming in who happened to want to, a black man happened to want to live there. These were a couple of uh, uh, provocateurs, uh, a school teacher who just decided to challenge Daly's beliefs in uh, brotherhood. And uh, uh, that's a, after he said liberal. there are no ghettos in the right, right. And uh, they, they he they bought a house, and, uh, the two men, and uh, decided to move blacks in. And uh, to summarize, the blacks were, uh, the black who did move in, a young college student, uh, two two, two young college students, were were moved out by the neighborhood. Uh, There was a small-scale riot. Uh, Daly's neighbors went out and busted up the windows and smashed up the house. And uh, the organization came in and intimidated the uh, real estate agent for the thing to break their lease and to give some white guys a long-term lease. And the owners woke up to discover that while they owned the house, they had... The, their agent had leased it to uh, some white neighborhood people and uh, it was it was i was out there when that happened it was a it was much like the uh the feeling uh, uh, the air that was there was in selma of uh real race hatred and daly was right there he was a block and a half away sitting in his house he didn't uh, come out he didn't walk down the street and say look you know uh, my god you're my neighbors uh, uh, you can't act this way uh, this is our neighborhood uh, sure but uh uh, these people are citizens. They can move in here. Uh, go into your homes. You know, leave these people alone. Let them let them move in and live. Uh, he never never stepped out of his door. He ducked it, and uh, and surprisingly and very disappointingly, the uh, uh, the papers and, the t- and television pretty well played the story down. Possibly thinking that uh, uh, they would uh, just incite the situation even more if they they wrote about it. Uh, well, that was a disgraceful thing. It was a disgraceful
0: thing. Uh, you see, we come to the question of an advocate of law and order, then you say, under what circumstances, for whom, or is there a double standard involved here? We come to it then. Wait, or to the d- defiance of a federal judge's
1: edict now. Yeah, sure. Well, well, he's been defying it for uh, two years. You know, the CHA thing has been going on and on and on. The city's been stalling. Um, oh, he's, uh, you know, law and order, uh, Daly's idea of, of law and order is, uh, is you, do what you, you do what I tell you. That's, that's law and order to him.
0: We're well, coming to uh, one of the other recurring themes of Mike's book. And someone has described this as a book. You can't stop a book whose time has come. And it's boss Richard J. Daly of Chicago, Dutton, the publisher. and in all the bookstores, of course. You better start buying it. It is selling. I'm delighted. And Jimmy Breslin has it the best book in American city ever written. It's really default, is it not? We come back to that subject again. Myth, Joe McGuinness wrote a book about the selling of a president in which Nixon was sold in the manner of merchandise, a pack of cigarettes. Here is something much deeper, 16 years now, onto 20 perhaps. And so it's the selling, is it not, of an image here. And so many people are guilty of this here in our city. Oh seems. sure they are.
1: And uh, the self-deceit, people who should know better. But they're always, they're, they're always afraid, well what's, what's the choice? um uh, uh john wayner uh, before he even uh had a chance to campaign was marked off as a, as a loser and a nothing and i've talked to editorial writers who 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 still don't know, still don't know anything about john wayner uh, It may be that john uh wayner was not uh would not have been a good mayor but he should have at least been given a chance uh to run um they've always dismissed uh, Daly's opponents i think i think the city uh, uh has wanted a boss, and I think that's why. When you say the boss. city, Mike, this is the question. When you say who is the city? What I mean, is the the people of influence in the yeah. city? The people of influence in yeah. the city have wanted a boss, yeah. and uh, and uh, and they've had they've had what they wanted. Yeah. And and when he when he's done, he's going to leave. Uh, when, when if he's reelected, his 20 years. He'll he'll leave a city that uh, is in very terrible condition, uh, we're You know, the people will be hating each other even more and fearing each other even more and uh, looking for a way to get out of here. Uh, And uh, all roads uh, lead to the suburbs. All the expressways were built to get you out from the suburbs into the loop. And uh, even the high-speed public transportation was geared, you know, the Skokie Swift. it gets you out to Skokie. You know,
0: Mike's book, uh, your book begins, it's very simple, the beginning, deceptively, somewhat powerful. Uh, the waking up in the morning of, of the mayor, the heading toward City Hall, the man on five, fifth floor, but the highways that keep not just him, but so many people of influence from seeing the city. The That's expressways right. hide what is what Nelson Algum would say is behind
1: the billboards. Right, and on the commuter trains. You really don't see it and they uh it's their secret. <laughs> I can't help but think after
0: the comment uh, that made uh, Mayor Daly world famous before the before the Democratic convention about maim shoot to kill etc uh some Earl Bush his press aide said the press misunderstood it was damn bad reporting they should have printed what he meant not what he said. <laughs> yeah. Aside from that the book is revelatory and uh necessary it, needless to say it is if we want to know about the city we want to know about the city we want to know about a community about a neighborhood and about ourselves too there's so many aspects of it we haven't discussed since we're simply just you know just browsing through it but again the question of receiving credit for that
1: of which he was part all the time before the pressures for reform occurred yeah he took what he, was part of his way of life and whenever somebody got caught uh, he either if he couldn't if he couldn't clean it up quietly, he went in and said, uh, "Well we've got to do something or they'll able to throw us out." and uh, then he did whatever had to be done at the moment and then he was hailed as a great reformer and a great uh, Administrator. And even given credit for a
0: summit meeting. Recently, a political editor of one of the uh, local papers spoke in reviewing Mike's book, uh, praising Mike's book, of course, because who couldn't? It's quite remarkable. Saying, however, the summit meeting he did was on human relations councils, and you start thinking of the re-
1: ludicrousness of it all. Too. Oh, the thing with King. The summit meeting yeah, yeah, was just... Yeah. Uh, daily had to stop King. Uh, uh, King, the pressure was getting to him because King had finally hit him in the soft spot. He had started going out into the neighborhoods and uh, the country was watching, and uh, Daley had to stop him, and so he stopped him with those summit meetings, and he conned him. They made all those promises. Uh, Scattered public housing. Scattered public housing was one of the things they agreed on at the summit meeting. It just wasn't Judge Austin's uh, order. This was agreed upon between Daley and uh, the people representing him and uh, Dr. King, and uh, I'll never forget that. that was in the summer, and as soon as the weather got cold, uh, nothing happened, and then uh, when the summit agreement was brought up at a city council meeting in, uh, in the middle of winter, uh, Tom Keene said uh, there was no agreement. And that was it? That was it, and there was no agreement. Well, there... But it, he, he accomplished what he wanted to accomplish. He got King to leave town.